0: Oh, man. Now, you may be at home watching, thinking that I've not been back to church. I'm not quite sure about coming back to church. Maybe folks still need a little bit of space to come back to church. If you wish to come back to church, I know some folks are still shielding and some folks are, are, you know, just, just not comfortable doing that yet. And that is absolutely fine. But if you think, I'm not going to come to church because I don't want to let someone else not come to church, we're okay. We've got space. And we'd love you to come. We want to be... The church together we want to be community we can still do it online and we will continue to do it online we've invested as a church in all of that so we're going to continue to do the online streaming stuff but if you're ready if you think you're ready we'd love you to come and be together with us so anyway we're now continuing in our Creed in our I believe series based on the Apostles Creed and and where we've been in the last few while is is that we've been thinking we've been thinking about how Jesus went to the cross, how he died, how he rose from the grave, how he ascended, how he went through how he went through the clouds. And and sometimes it's hard to grasp what that meant, but he went through the clouds i'm going to refer to that later in the sermon so just have that in your in your mind but also how he then sat down at the father's right hand side he sat down now in the temple and in the tabernacle the the high priest when he he went through he went through the clouds actually it was through the smoke he went past the altar of incense when he went through the curtain into the holy of holies to present the sacrifices for the Day of Atonement. I'm throwing a lot at you right away. When he did that, he never sat down because his work was never done, because he was never finished. But when Jesus sat down, when he sat down, the work was done. The final sacrifice had been made and Jesus gave it all for us all. The work is done. And the challenge now for us is how we live for Him until we meet Him face to face. And that's where we're going to think, that's where we're going this morning. Um, I'm sure a few folks stayed away this morning when they heard that the sermon was going to be on judgment. He will come judge, and that, that's, that's always a crowd pleaser. It's always the one where folk are queuing up outside the door of church. To yes, we want to hear about judgment. Yes, Lord, come and bring it. We are so desperate to hear about judgment. I tip my hat to you all who are here this morning, who are watching, because God is going to judge. This is a, a wide-ranging topic, um, and there's a lot in it. And it will get your gray cells firing. It will get your heart going. You may disagree. You may have issues with what I am going to bring. But I'm I'm preaching from the word. That's what I I, I faithfully try to do week in and week out. And and I I believe God's put this message on my heart this morning. But just to soften you up quickly, uh, there's a guy who who had a real, he had a, a bad foot and there was, there was stuff going on with his foot. And so the, des, the doctor described him a pill to take. And it was a really big pill. It was like a massive pill. And he said, just you wait there, I'll go and get some water for you. And the doctor got delayed and he was away a wee while. Uh, so he, the, the, the chap got kind of fed up and he thought, right, I'll just dry swallow the pill. So he, he managed to swallow it eventually. And then the doctor came in, and he said, right, I've got this basin of water. If you just put the pill in there for 20 minutes and soak your feet. (laughs) I wonder if this morning's sermon might be a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. But I hope not, because, you know, when we are under the covering of Jesus, we are secure in Him. But the thing is, there are those who do not yet know Jesus. And it is, our, it is our privilege and our joy and the challenge to share the good news with those who do not yet know him. When the ascension happened, we could think that Jesus, who went to the Father in heaven, was then separate and apart from us. But actually, when he sat down at the Father's right hand side, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit fully with us. As he ascended, Holy Spirit descended. And now that Jesus is with the Father, he's pleading for us, interceding for us, and the Holy Spirit is at work in us, loving and working and reconciling creation through his people. And we don't see Jesus as the disciples saw Jesus, but we trust in the promise that we are blessed as we have not seen and yet, still believe John twenty verse twenty nine. Now we we have been back from our holidays. We came back on Friday, Friday night, and and uh, we we didn't have the holiday we'd planned. Uh, we had planned to go to a spring harvest in France to to get teaching and get relaxation. Uh, we got turned away at Dover. We didn't get in. And, and then we'd planned to go back again, and then uh, the government said that France went into Amber Plus, so we accepted that we were not going to get to France. But we ended up in Keswick this last week at the Keswick Convention, and we have been soaked in the book of Exodus. We got a wee bit soaked In the weather as well but we have been in the book of Exodus so I wondered if you would indulge me a little bit as we journey through Exodus just a little bit we'll see where God his plan at the beginning has carried all the way through and has been fulfilled with us so the book of Exodus speaks about the people of Israel there were about 70 people when they went down into Egypt you know the story of Joseph and his brothers and how the family eventually once they worked out who Joseph was and Joseph revealed who he was the, the family moved to Egypt and they prospered and they grew and they became a nation in their own right God was fulfilling his promises and yet he was Israel was a a, a threat to Pharaoh so Pharaoh put them really under the kosh, and he began to use them as slaves but then eventually God brings them out with the Passover, with the manna, with Sinai, with the tabernacle. All these things are in there but as you walk with Moses through the exodus you realize that it all points to Jesus. The sacrifice of the firstborn, even the altar of incense, which created the smoke that Jesus went through the clouds to enter into the Holy of Holies, we see that Jesus fulfills it all. The true sacrifice of the firstborn, the tearing of the curtain, sitting down at the Father's side as our true mediator. And as we enter into this next line of the creed, we read this fun topic, He will come to judge the living and the dead. Judgment. In a world where there is so much judgment, isn't there? You step out your door or you look on your phone or your computer or TV, you see people in righteous indignation, self-righteous indignation, judging other people all the time. But the Bible says that we are not to judge others. It's not our job to judge. But will God be the judge? As we trust him as creator, as we believe that he is the one who has made it all, that all creation begun with him and will end with him. As we look at his creation, we think, is it ever gonna get any better? Or are we just getting worse and worse? Will this hurt and pain and death never end? The Scripture tells us one day that it will, that God will come again, and he will judge the living and the dead, and that we will stand before him waiting. But the problem is, none of us like judgment, do we? We, we're, we're We're quite able to pass judgment, but we don't really want anyone to judge us. And we struggle with the idea that God will somehow allow some in and deny others. And why does God need to judge anyway? Couldn't God just just bring us all in? If if God loves us all, like the, the, the gospel tells us, why does there need to be a separation? Well, God is loving, but also God is holy. And he needs... To maintain these two. Thankfully, it's met in the cross. It's in the cross that God's holiness and God's mercy meet. And it's only through Jesus that we are covered. Scripture speaks of one day of a new creation, of a new heaven and a new earth, that God will rule eternally but this conclusion does involve judgment. It has all begun with the promise of a child who will bruise the head of the enemy, to the entering of the Messiah in a stable, through his teaching, through his building community, through his death, his resurrection, through his reconciling grace, to his coming again as Savior, Lord, and Judge. Now, who really looks forward to this? Really, do we look forward to that time when God returns and he's going to judge us all? How do we feel about this? This is not the point of sermon where a preacher gets an amen. This is not the bit where people are, are, are really excited about it. But he speaks to us and he says many times that we should not fear. So as we think about the Exodus, as we're thinking about what has been, we see what will be. We see the journey of the Passover. And then we see that even though God has brought them out of slavery, the people of Israel begin to moan. They say, did we not have pots of meat when we were in Egypt? And actually they were starving in Egypt, they were struggling to survive. And then when Moses goes up the hill to meet with God. The people then decide to worship a calf or a bull and they get up to all sorts. And yet Moses, those hearts breaking for what the people have done, he stands and he pleads on behalf of his people. He says, God, if you're not going to go with us, and and God actually said to Moses, I'll go with you. But Moses says, if you're not going to go with us, and we don't want any part of this and Moses asks I've been soaked in Moses this I've just been my head's been buzzing with him and Moses asks to see God's glory that when God reveals who he is to Moses that his face is changed he's radiant but the way God does it is he says you cannot behold Who I am, so I will put you in the cleft of the rock in the cave, and I will cover your hand, and then you will be able to see my back. And Tim Chester, who was preaching this week at Keswick, he said, It's almost like the afterglow. You know how, do you remember fluorescent lights? We have LEDs now, but do you remember the fluorescent lights? You used to switch them off, and there was still a wee glow. There was an afterglow when you switch them. You might still have them in your kitchens, but there was a glow. And, and really that's what Moses saw, but he was, he was radiant. When God spoke to him, he was radiant. And another thing that God does to Moses is he proclaims his name. He proclaims that he is compassionate and gracious, but also in that little passage he reveals that he's the God who will punish Not only for the next generation, but for the next, next generations. So God has this tension that he is compassionate. And yet he will not let the guilty go unpunished. God forgives, but he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. And that is a tension, I think, that we're meant to live with. But we want justice, don't we? You know, we need justice. We cannot tolerate it when the guilty go free. We, we despise it, I would hazard a guess, at, when someone who is clearly guilty does not get the punishment that they deserve and our hearts cry out for it. We want judgment, for there is only one who can judge. There's a, there's a story of an abbot an abbot of a monastery, who decided that he needed to get away from the rest of the monks. And he went to an island in the middle of the lake, and he went there for a silent retreat. And he was there for about six months. And he met with God, and he was, he was just filled with God, and it was just an amazing experience for him. When he was done with his time, he decided to come back to the, the monastery. And he was so filled with God that he could walk on the water, so he walked on the water back over from the island, across the lake to the monastery. And there was two monks who were walking along the shore and they saw the abbot walking on the water coming back. And one of them said to the other, look at him, he's not changed at all after six months, still so stingy, it only costs 25p to take the ferry back. We're so quick to judge, aren't we? You and I are so quick to judge, but judgment is not for us, and it's not for the church. The church is not the one to judge. The Bible says in Second Peter, perhaps, 1 Peter, that we are not to judge. There is only one who can judge, and that's the creator of all, the one who is called into being, and that is God. The tension of his compassion and mercy and his judgment are things that I think we need to wrestle with. And I think we discover that it is resolved in the cross. God is faithful to his holiness, that we cannot enter into his presence without the cross. We are covered by the blood of the firstborn son. God's holiness and mercy are met there. The cup that Jesus had to drink was the cup of wrath that was poured out upon him. And it will be God who will come again and judge his creation. But what does this look like for us? Well, our reading this morning is from 2 Timothy at chapter 4, verse 1. It's Paul who is approaching the end of his time here on earth, and he's writing to his beloved son, Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. And this charge, folks, is for you and me today. Preach the word, each one of us. Be prepared in season and out of season. Be prepared, be prepared to correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, they will suit their own desires. Anything sounding familiar so far? They will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. What great advice for us. Keep your head. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Folks, that's a call for us, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. For all that's going on, folks, when we look at this generation and think, How long, how long, O oh Lord, He will come, He will judge. And the only covering is found in Jesus. And the truth is, we need him to judge. We need God to come to bring justice to all the horrors of this world. From corporate greed, to the exploitation of children, to the wars and murders, and to the individual sins that we inflict on each other. Of the things that we don't do. When we pass by and look the other way, we need the judgment to come. I, I, I managed to read a few books on holiday. It's, it's, it's a good time for reading some, some stuff. And I managed to read Pope Francis's latest book, I think, uh, Chance to Dream. And in it, he speaks of how he saw a, 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 a work of art, a photograph called Indifference. I, I, I don't know if we'll have it. I think I think this is it. This is the photograph that he saw. And and he was really charged and convicted by it. If, if you notice, someone is walking past. It could be me. It could be you. Walking past with designer bags as a, a, a lady is looking for something. And it's called indifference. And the truth is, it could be you or me. It, it, it's pretty much all of us at some point where we walk by and we miss what is right in front of us. And the challenge is to not walk on by. As Paul charges Timothy to be ready in and out of season, to encourage, to be patient, to go and finish the race, we are called not to sit back and relax, but we are called to account. We're called to cling to Jesus and to make sure we can get as many as we can to come to Jesus before we go. And this is not just to save them from hell, but this is so that we and they may give God all the glory. Lord, we want to see your glory. That's what we're to live for this day, and in the new creation to come. And this will look differently for each one of us. But if I was to give you some tips, then it would be practice hospitality. Practice welcome. Love those who are hard to love. Even when they disagree with you, even when you disagree with what they do or what they say. Love and practice friendship. Because on the day when we see him face to face, we won't be drawn to the the golden pathways. We won't be drawn to the amazing sights before us. What we'll be drawn to is the scars on his hands, his feet, and his side. We'll bow down and worship and give thanks. God's way of setting things right is found in the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is where the Rescue Act began, and this is where it will end. So in closing, I just wanna share a story. You may have heard the story before of a Canadian called John Robert Osborne. He was awarded the Victorian Cross for his, for his work in World War II in Hong Kong. He was he was a soldier, a warrant officer, and they were in a skirmish in the Second World War. And in his squadron, in his platoon, in his, his team, they were bunkered down, and as they were there, about three or four grenades were thrown into his trench in his foxhole, and he reached over And he threw them back out, except there was one that they couldn't get. They couldn't get. So he shouted to the rest of the platoon, he said, Get out, get out of the way. And he jumped on the grenade. He took the blast, the grenade, that killed him instantly, but he rescued the rest of the soldiers. The high priest on the Day of Atonement, as he went into the Holy of Holies, on his ephod, on his, his garments that he wore, he bore gems that were inscribed with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. He bore the names of the people of Israel as he went into God's presence. Jesus, as he went through the cross, resurrection and ascension, bears your name on his hands. He bears your name on his heart as he is in the Father's presence. He has carried us through it all and we are in a very real way in the presence of the Father forever. We are tethered to him by Jesus. And when Jesus comes again, there will be a final judgment by the only one who is fit to judge. And Jesus will be our covering. We are saved to him. I think we'll still be called to account. So we are to grab hold of the time that we have so that none may be lost. So don't miss an opportunity to speak to exhort, to be ready, to endure, to not give up hope for whatever you're facing. Whatever you're facing today, remember and take hold of that ferocious love of Jesus who went to the cross and died for you and for me and for this whole world. And just start with the one that God gives you, that one who's ready to listen. Fight the good fight. Never stop. Running the race. Never give up, for he never gave up on you. I have a good friend in the States who, who, his name is Andy, and he writes a blog. And his friend, Dr. Fish, who endured the Holocaust and all sorts of stuff, had this saying Yesterday is past, tomorrow is a wish, today. Is the only time in which to do something. Don't miss out. Take hold of the opportunities that God gives. Be tethered to Jesus. Be assured of his covering. And fight the good fight. Denise is going to pray for us. Thank you.